Look out, the dinosaurs are back and they're about to take complete charge of college football. Let's talk about it here in the doghouse on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray, for your Saturday and weekend doghouse update. And yeah, we're talking dinosaurs. Well, dinosaurs in the form of the mega conferences that are now taking shape. You saw the news this past week that uh, the Big Ten, responding obviously to the SEC's huge move of 2021, has reached out and taken the two biggest names, or certainly the one biggest name and one that used to be biggest name, from the Pac-10 in Southern Cal and UCLA. And now the Big Ten, which by the way is 14 members strong already, how are they going to name it when it's 16 there? Are the two big eights or, well, I don't know. Anyway, they've responded, they've grabbed two huge names, And the irony of a couple of uh, teams from the sunny Pacific Coast moving to the Great Lakes region and Rust Belt, well, it's ironic enough, but what else about football isn't these days? The point being, college football may not face doomsday, certainly not as long as these conferences will draw TV viewers and money, but what has happened in these consecutive summers, the meteoric moves making for mega conferences, means only the strongest will survive. And by the strongest, I mean the dinosaur conferences. And I don't mean that in the classic sense. You remember in our junior high science books that they basically mocked the dinos as being too big, too clumsy to survive in a changing world. Well, college football is setting up as an entirely opposite case because only the biggest of beasts and conferences are going to rule the sport from now on. And the two biggest, baddest dinos around, the SEC and the Big Ten. They already are now, and adding the teams they are with the SEC bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, well, nobody even comes close. A funny thing, I had no idea that uh, neither of those California clubs were originally members of the old Pacific Coast Conference. Well, once Southern Cal and UCLA joined, they took over soon enough, which is why, despite the fact that neither has had a great deal of success, certainly not compared to their tradition in either football or basketball, this is a... Well, I was about to say seismic shift, but uh, considering those schools straddled San Andreas' fault, that's probably in bad taste. Let's just say these latest shifts rumble on through all the other major conferences, too. Such as, what's left on the left coast? Well, they just went on life support, because they're going to have to do their very best to keep Oregon and Washington from bolting to some other landing spot, which might quite well be the big soon to be again twelve which has 10 teams right now, as you know. They're adding four, losing two. If they pick up a couple more, the math is really complicated, obviously, but uh, they now have an unexpected lifeline because they can think, hey, what if we take Oregon and Washington into our league? Or if we have to settle for Cal or Stanford, that's okay. We'll have a voice out there on the left coast as well. The uh, Big Ten, of course, just grabbed the headlines and a couple of headliners. Over in the Atlantic Coast Conference, well, they're all of a sudden writing a whole lot more love letters to Notre Dame, begging them, please, please come in and save us, while looking at a ridiculous rights contract that runs through, I think, 2036. And down here in the SEC, well, we're going to have to share the biggest spotlight with the only real rival left in the Big Ten. Not immediately. State, the SEC still is a... a step ahead, if only based on the fact they've produced the most recent national championship football teams. And yes, this is all about football. No, I do not see an expanding Big Ten quite as trumping the SEC on the whole. 
This conference still holds high cards in football, and let's be honest, that's all that matters until the NCAA loses control of the basketball tournament. Now, that's a debate for another day in case somebody like, well, what happens if uh, Amazon decided it wanted to start its own broadcast network, maybe hook up with Nike as their sponsor. You could take the basketball teams away from the NCAA, which would then crumble down into, um, <laughs> fun intended, an NIT-like existence with all the left-behind schools. But again, this is about football and about the future of football. And while the Big Ten is bragging about being a coast-to-coast conference now, yeah, Rutgers is right there in the Atlantic, then you got the Southern Cal schools. We're just fine down here in the SEC with uh, staying around the Gulf Coast for the large part. Uh, Hey, I think a little bit of spilled crude oil adds some zest to our shrimp. Uh, But what is being watched closely on Arrington Boulevard over in Birmingham is what sort of TV contract the Rust Belt gang is arranging when their current rights run out in 2024. As you know, the SEC has a new contract starting in 2024 as well. Uh, I think it's worth something like an estimated $3 billion over the life of the deal. However, what we're seeing talked about on media now is that the Big Ten's deal with Fox, ESPN, others could add up to a billion per year for the 16 teams involved. Obviously because they're counting on that Southern California West Coast audience to follow those two teams. It's always worth a debate what the actual market value of those schools are because they live in a world where professional sports takes priority. In fact, uh, college sports may not even be the third biggest game in town when you look at other things uh, such as just plain old beach life. Anyway, what moves could the SEC make to boost the bank account now? Because you know darned well this conference is not going to sit back and let its only main rival get that far ahead at the box office. And also, what will the ongoing college football playoff planning, how will that influence any notions of further additions to the SEC? You see, for now, the SEC and Big Ten both claim publicly that 16 will be enough. Uh, Big Ten should have their 16 teams in, I believe, by the 2024 season. The SEC is not supposed to add Texas and Oklahoma until 2025. However, with the new contract taking effect in 2024, you know darned well, as we've talked about before, Texas and Oklahoma want a slice of that cash. So I now really believe that the expansion will happen in 2024 for that football season because that's another area the SEC is not going to sit on its hands and wait. Which means, of course, the Big 12 has got to get real busy grabbing some other teams fast to make up for losing their own headliners, who um, I don't know what kind of buyout they're going to have to pay the Big 12. I know if they had bolted early, it would be something like $75 million each. It won't be that close to that two more years from now. Oh, the money I'm talking about. Only a dinosaur can appreciate that kind of cash, that, that size of pile. The the playoff planning, you know, um, Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, was in the four-member group that came up with the dozen-team proposal and several optional methods of doing it. I don't know how this impacts, but I will say if it does not speed it up, well, then somebody's falling behind, and that's not going to happen. You know, but at the same time, why would the SEC lock in a format now for the college football playoff if there's any chance the SEC clubhouse adds even more members, which could indeed happen. And or here's another thing to figure. That when the SEC grabbed its two schools, then the, um, the drumbeat for breaking up what is now the FBS football bowl subdivision 
and going their own way, perhaps under the auspices of the college football playoff, which is controlled by the conferences, understand. Officially by the 10 major college football conferences, realistically, just by the four biggest boys. I say four, it's five officially, but honestly, does anybody count the Big 12 anymore as one of the five? For that matter, are you going to count the Pac-12, which won't be 12 soon, as one of those? It's going to be a big three, and the ACC sitting on its sidelines, stuck with that aforementioned awful contract. They don't have a whole lot of clout anymore, unless, of course, Notre Dame changes all their intentions and joins. So it's going to be up to the SEC and Big Ten to say, okay, here's the playoff format, and if you don't like it, well, then uh, us two conferences, we have 32 teams. We could quite comfortably run a playoff entirely on our own unless you guys from the ACC and other surviving conferences want to be a part of it. So why make a decision right now? Now, what we've discussed in previous weeks, a decision that is coming sooner for the SEC than later has to be schedule formatting for the future for 16 teams. I do believe it will certainly happen no later than next spring's meetings, which is in May. Honestly, I don't think they'll even wait that long now. I think they'll make some sort of announcement no later than December around the SEC championship game will be a good time. Don't think it will happen at uh, the SEC media days, which is only two weeks from now. Goodness, only two weeks from now. But the SEC is not going to just delay and delay and wait for things to happen and react. The SEC is going to be an initiator of actions in conjunction with the Big Ten, which is already talking about who should run the playoff system. You see the Big Ten making some power moves right there to try to not only catch up with the SEC but move ahead in the PR standpoint, and our league don't like that. Oh, the fun and games we'll see played out in media. And by the way, I'm going to make an editorial comment here. I'm shocked, I'm sure, to you. Reading stories about this, I'm going to have to say that while I've relied on ESPN's writers for so long, they have been surpassed. CBS is doing a far, far better job of covering what's happening in college football these days. And I'm not going to get into reasons why the ESPN seems to have lost its way and certainly lost its focus on just the game itself. You know pretty well what I'm talking about in those regards. Just going to say, CBS is doing a great job covering it. That doesn't mean I like the writers any better at times, but let's just be blunt. ESPN is losing its way in this business but they still pay the bills, so we have to be nice to them down in this part of the country. So, if this accelerates to the breakup of the football bowl subdivision with all the rich and famous forming their own elite super conference, probably under the auspices of the college football playoff system, and by the way, that will require a commissioner of college football, well, one has to think that the uh, surviving major conferences will happily accept a dozen team format, which excludes any group of five gate crashers officially this time unofficially they're all come one come all and cincinnati finally cracked the club this past year but i don't see that happening anytime soon so now not even scraps will be tossed in the direction of the group of fives conferences it's going to be the big boys the dinosaurs only ruling the world now before anybody out there listening to this gets too giddy about the prospect let's do keep in mind Any breakaway of, say, 64 schools, which is roughly what the Power Five plus Notre Dame would be, they could just as easily sit back and say, hmm, hey, why should we share the world with so many others? 
Disney and ESPN, who write the big checks, they won't care if only the best halves or, say, uh, the th- a thirds of the surviving conferences play each other every weekend. They might even prefer it. Remember, the National Football League rules the sporting world with just 32 franchises. College football could go with 32 schools and play the same number of regular season games now, 12. And that's whether it stays at a 12-game schedule is also a subject for discussion eventually because if the NCAA is out of the business, then the new organization can write its own competition calendar. Anyway, if the NFL works fine with 32, college football could do the same and not even have to worry about playing home-and-homes among divisional clubs. You know, come to think of it, the lineups again of the SEC and the Big Ten are, right, 32 teams. How would you like that? Well, I wouldn't mind making road trips to Wisconsin, but uh, maybe some of y'all would indeed. Uh, Maybe not November. Anyway, how did we get here and where are we going? Okay, history lesson time and not as far back as the dinosaurs, although I'm going to mention a fella who had the authority of a T-Rex. You know, in the eventual case, there's almost 100 FBS teams who may not be going along with the party. Like I said, there's 130 left. Obviously, not all are going to make the cut. It all depends on how they get down to their final number. You know, a clever fellow could say that um, it all this was set in motion whenever the first college decided, hey, let's charge admission to watch a bunch of boys chase the pigskin around the field. That's a little cynical attitude, but uh, it did mean that somehow the first inklings of professionalism came into campus sports Well, now name, image, likeness has merely formalized the fact that it's going to be professional sports. Somewhat more recently, it could be when the then three networks, you have to be of my age to remember those ancient days, um, they started figuring out that you could show college football on Saturday as a time slot filler and uh, make some money off it and even pay some money to the NCAA. And that brings up what I think is actually when the whole avalanche began. I go back to when the Supreme Court... Is that a familiar name these days? Well, back in 1984, they decided that the NCAA, which had controlled TV rights for all of football, no longer merited that. The Supreme Court took it away from the NCAA under the old College Football Association and gave it to the conferences, all the existing conferences, some of which don't even exist anymore. You know, an irony of that is the plaintiffs that year were Georgia and Oklahoma, which are soon to be conference cousins. You know, and even then, it would not have mattered a whole lot because ABC and, to a lesser extent, CBS and others were showing college football up into the bowl games. Well, along comes this entity called ESPN. Well, that leads to the second earth-shaking decision, July 1990. That's when the dinosaur I refer to, Commissioner Roy Kramer, who ran the SEC, he'd only been in a year or so, He formally offered Arkansas and South Carolina memberships in this 10-team conference. This not only allowed the SEC to have a championship game, the first true one at the top sports level, it also sealed the doom of the old Southwest Conference, in case you remember them. It only took another 31 years for the SEC to bring in that old league's bell steer aboard, by the way. Nice little coincidence. But to me, there was another move that year which kind of flashed the future. Uh, You have to be of an age to remember this, but there was a time when the ACC only cared about basketball. And I mean only cared about basketball. In fact, basketball still is their number one sport in most regards, but 
As far back as 1990, they realized that the future had to be more than the indoor sport. And they held their academic noses and invited Florida State, who at the time was a superpower, into their snooty club. They pragmatically realized college football money was going to take all precedence, and it obviously has. Yes, basketball is the biggest moneymaker for the NCAA, but that's because they don't control football. Football money far, far outranks basketball money. And here, ironically today, it's the ACC who kicked this into motion, stuck with an incredibly confining rights contract, which runs in the mid-2030s. And that has some of their members looking for the exits right now. But where would they go? And for that matter, where will the escapees from the crumbling Pac-12 go? Or even the Big 12? You know, keep in mind that not all that long ago, consensus was the SEC was planning to pick off Virginia Tech and North Carolina State, which would... Uh, obviously give the SEC a bigger presence over on the eastern side of the country. And then, of course, we could have moved Missouri to the west and made a better geographical balance. You know, trust it, these two schools would have taken a partial cut of SEC revenues right now to come aboard, but that moment passed and the SEC looked westward. At least they did the last time. Now, I have no inside information at the moment, and in uh, SEC Media Days might not get a chance to really delve into this too deeply, but we'll certainly be watching all the questioning of Commissioner Sankey. But anyone absorbing the idea of two Pacific Beach schools gleefully joining the Rust Belt for football can understand all the old geographical markers have been moved. In fact, they've been eliminated. Yeah, it would make all sort of sense for the SEC now to pick off Florida State and Clemson, And their athletic directors say, oh, heck yes. Of course, their coaches would scream, hey, old no, but it'd be up to their bosses to make such a decision. But then again, really, what's to keep the Big Ten from trying to grab some Gulf Coast action themselves? Well, other than that league's uh, pride in their academics, they only have all-American universities in the 10. I'm sorry, 14. And from what I understand, the academics down in the Tallahassee region aren't much in that mold. I have no idea where Clemson stands in that regard. The obvious grab to me for the Big Ten would be to reach west again for Stanford. Even if the Big Ten insists that they're done at 16, no, nobody is done until everybody is done. And besides, as even the old ACC proved, and I mentioned, academics can be trumped by cash. Geography already has been. I mean, we know the money that is about to come into the coffers of all these major programs is super serious because schools don't blink at the need to fly volleyball, golf, tennis, all those sports, two, even three time zones away for regular season competition. Think about that. Regular season, not just postseason, regular season. But that raises another thought that we can discuss in the future. If the NCAA is about to be taken over just as a, a minor league sports status, is there any reason that the surviving FBS slash CFP schools have to sponsor X number of sports? just to have football? I don't think so. Now, at the present, the NCAA, which is ruled by the presidents, would never consider such a a financially wise move because politically it would be disastrous. I mean, what with the 50th anniversary of Title IX and all that stuff. And up until not so long ago, I'd have said even the superpower conference would hesitate to buck the Title IX political realities. Uh, then this current Supreme Court made a couple of June rulings, which, to my mind, might crack the door for much more practical moves. Uh, they only said, remember, in their ruling on NIL a couple of years ago, that college athletes can be paid. They didn't say who had to pay them, 
They didn't say who had to be paid. And they didn't say how much to be paid. So the NCAA's policy of parallel men's and women's sports, <coughs> excuse me, you know, men's and women's tennis, men's and women's golf are the parallel, the most unusual one, football and volleyball are parallel sports. Think about it. There's an obvious reason because there's no men's volleyball at most schools and there's no women's football anywhere. So that's how you end up with those being ruled parallel. And that means, by the way, that if football flies X number of times a year, volleyball gets to fly X number of times a year as well. Silly? Hey, I'm not going to get into that political mess right now. Again, 50th anniversary and all that stuff. But thinking about it, too, if the NCAA is out of the picture and college football it becomes an entirely unique event, who's to say that the schools must sponsor 16 total varsity sports? Yeah, the NCAA would still be around if they run the basketball tournament. Take that away, and all rules are off. Now, again, I told you not to get giddy about this because this is not a comfortable situation for Mississippi State. I'm sorry if you take offense at me saying that, but the, a down-dollar-sized Super League, it, what it may mean for Mississippi State and comparable athletic operations, see, here's the thing. Like I said, there's no reason it has to be 64. It could be 48. It could be 32. If they wanted to, it could just be 20, but I think that would come into some network programming difficulties. Oh, yes, even if Mississippi State did not make one of those teams, they'd still be on TV because you've got to have games to show, and there are a lot of slots. But the network money would be minuscule compared to what's being handed out now. I think, obviously, if it ends up being 64, Mississippi State makes the cut, and we can all breathe easy. 48 teams, I'm holding my breath. And at 32, let's not go there. Well, maybe we'll get a little bit more insight in a couple of weeks when Commissioner Sankey gives his annual State of the State SEC talk. Typically, it opens up SEC Media Days, which will be on Monday the 18th. I won't be there for that session myself. State doesn't go until Tuesday morning turn. I will be watching for the transcript, which is published almost as soon as Sankey finishes it. And I'll mull it over during my drive to Atlanta that evening. You know, questions of an SEC response and his own views, they're going to come up early and often, I reckon. I think I'll save my own questions about this for Mike Leach, who will surely have some unique insights on what's going on, uh, whether he likes it, what he doesn't like. Yeah, uh, we'll get to talk to Leach even before they have the big room meeting as well. And uh, that's something that I guarantee he will have something to say. But no, college football is not dying, not anytime soon. But a great big die-off is looming for about half or more of the current FBF membership. And unlike that infamous asteroid which uh, smacked into the Gulf oh, so many zillion years ago, well, this time, it, only the di- dinosaurs of this sport will be the survivors. A mass extinction faces everybody else who gets left behind, so the message from Mississippi State is do whatever it takes to bulk up the program. To bulk up NIL, and that's on me and you, by the way, to do whatever can be to influence more and better good players to come to this, get Mississippi State football into that conversation that merits a guaranteed membership in any 64-team Super League. Again, I'd feel pretty safe at 64 because, frankly, the conferences would not be comfortable cutting if they can avoid it. But if it's only 48, there are going to be cuts made. Mississippi State 
you, I, everyone need to get busy donating, if not to NFL, then to the Bulldog Club. Do what you can because changes are on the way. This move this past week by the Big Ten only emphasizes that only the strongest will survive and Mississippi State absolutely has to survive. That's our charming little doghouse here for the first of, uh, of the second half of the year. And I appreciate all the well wishes this past week, by the way, on the birthday. Not feeling any older, feeling better. It's always good to be here in Startwell, even on a slow weekend like this. But it won't be slow for long because, again, SEC Media Day is not far away. Of course, the Major League Draft coming up right at the same time. Great news happening on the baseball front with the latest portal transfer additions to Chris Lamonis' team. Basketball is not slowing down. Oh, and by the way, the Happy Hour Tour will be get going. You should have an announcement next week on a partial schedule at least. I was talking to the Alumni Association who is in charge of this, and they said probably won't be the main head sport coaches uh, going out there, but some of the assistants and other sports like golf, tennis, soccer, and volleyball, coaches who generally don't get a chance to talk as much to alumni and fans, they will be highlighted this time in these more casual settings there. But still, they're hoping to also get some assistance from football, basketball, and baseball to make the trips as well. So keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, July is upon us. Uh, and, and be very remiss if I didn't say happy July 4th to all of us as we celebrate the birth date of this great big country and the country which has made college football, college baseball, college basketball so utterly unique compared to anything else in the world. Uh, thank you, Founding Fathers. I mean, you had no idea about it. Hmm. One wonders what kind of name image likeness George Washington could have pulled in back in those days. All right, enough of that. That's your lesson for today. Only the dinosaurs will survive, even as we turn into the heat of summer. <laughs> dinosaurs. You know, what about dinosaurs in the SEC? You know what they do with it down at LSU. They make a gumbo out of T-Rex. Enough, enough. Appreciate you listening. This is your host, David Murray, on The Doghouse here on the Believe Network. And we'll be talking to you sometime in the next week or weekend. But soon the pace will be picking up. And it's time to get back to specifically Mississippi State sports. Until then, enjoy your Independence Day weekend. <laughs>